Okay, so you are going to need a Bible out, um, and in a few moments we're going to walk through that passage together. So it's in uh, page 1030, and then hopefully at some point it might stay on the screen as well. Last week we said we weren't quite sure what we were going to do as part of this service, and over the week I just felt God uh, inviting us to lean into this passage. So I hope that's okay. Um, there's no secret agenda. I've not heard that somebody's done something naughty and uh, we're going to ask you to come to the front or anything like that. That's optional. Um, but today I want to think about what is our response, okay? What is our response? Uh, there's an invitation, I think, from Jesus tonight to each one of us, each one of us to acknowledge, to believe, and then to call Okay, so if it's helpful, we've got the ABC with Jesus. I know that that's some of our level, um, but I'm not pointing out whose that is, but it's definitely mine. What's your response when you hear these things? Okay, 7 nil. Oh, we've been waiting for that one, Jim, haven't we? I um, looked at looked at fantasy football this afternoon and thought, oh no, I've got Mo Salah as my captain. I forgot to change it. <laughs> Praise the Lord for Mo Salah. Okay, so uh, what is your response when you... That was just for you, Jim, that one. What is your response to the word Marmite? Just to show we're culturally sensitive. What's your... uh, For Vegemite? Okay. (laughs) Claire knows what it is. Um, If I said to you classical music... Oh, we're getting more cultured. Well done. Lovely. What if I said coffee? Anyone who dislikes coffee? Somebody shouts decaf. Not sure that's the point of coffee. Okay. What if I shout Jesus? What if I say temptation? (laughs) We get some songs, we get some awkward noises. Lovely. That's where we're at. Well, the good news is we're going to have a little think about what Jesus did in the eyes of temptation. We're going to look to him. And I hope that we go home remembering about Jesus. One of the things that we're conscious of is as we try and unpack the Bible together, there's a sense that we're trying to teach and share and uh, encourage one another. But we also want to disappear into the background. But we also know we don't want to be boring. Okay, so my hope is that we present Jesus from this platform, that you get the opportunity to think about Jesus, but also that we're not bored. Okay, I hope if we see the real Jesus, we're never bored. But let's go from there. So what leaps out as we read this passage? So we've got chapter four and the first two verses The first thing I noticed is how uh, Luke has described Jesus. Okay, so Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And he is then led by that same Spirit into the wilderness. Now, the wilderness is this sort of desert idea, the edge of civilization, where you would go and try and find yourself to become the person that you were supposed to be. And for 40 days, Jesus goes off into this wilderness In a moment, I'll talk about the significance of the 40. But he's there doing this thing that we call fasting. He is not eating. The chances are he probably drank, but he was not eating at this time. So the Holy Spirit leads him to somewhere. And at the point of where he's hungry, at the point of probably where he is struggling for energy, that's when the devil attacks. In verse 3, the, uh, the devil invites him to stop feasting. 
He says to him, if you're the son of God, notice that he's, he knows who Jesus is. He knows that Jesus is the son of God, but he's also trying to question that. If you're the son of the God, tell this stone to become bread. You've got this devil versus Jesus encounter that is about to take place in a significant way. Jesus answers with, it is written. Now, this is from Deuteronomy. So this would have been the scriptures of the people of God of the time. So Jesus is quoting scripture back to the devil. His standing place, his firm foundation is the scriptures of God. Man shall not live on bread alone, Deuteronomy 8, 3. Then we go into verse 5 through to 8, and we get the next encounter, the next mini-wrestle. And you could almost see it as a a scene change. Jesus is invited to stop worshipping God and do something different. The devil leads him to a high place and showed him all the kingdoms of all the world. And he said to him, I'll give you all authority over them. The devil's trying to play God. If you worship me, the devil, all will be yours. Again, Jesus uses the firm foundation of Scripture to quote back. Again, it's Deuteronomy. This time it's uh, Deuteronomy 6.13. It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. So stop fasting, stop worshipping. And then the final thing the devil tries to put on Jesus, tries to trick him with, is to test God. The devil leads him to Jerusalem and they stand on the highest point of the temple. He says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. And then the devil quotes Psalms. The devil knows the scriptures. The devil is trying to tease him with the scriptures of God. He says, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift up uh, you up in their hands so that not you, sorry, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered using Deuteronomy 6, 16. It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. You see, the people of God, when Deuteronomy was written, had tried and tested God, and they got themselves into a terrible mess. And so Moses is saying to the people of God in Deuteronomy, we're not going to do that again. The devil is trying to tease Jesus. He's trying to get Jesus to do what the people of God did once before. And he's saying, I'm not doing that. My favorite line of this whole passage was in verse 13. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus completed it. Jesus completed this time of testing. And he would go on to receive anguish over the time as he's taught people, as he's trying to share people. And eventually on the cross, he defeats the devil entirely. But Jesus completed his test in that moment, in order for something significant to happen. And then I left in the next few verses, even though the NIV doesn't put it in the same uh, bracket, it says Jesus returns to Nazareth, because he returns to do something significant. Jesus returns in the power of the Spirit, the same Spirit that sent him into the wilderness, calls him out of the wilderness, and he begins to share, uh, spread the news he, he went on teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. There was worship and there was service to God as part of his response. So as we look at that passage, what sort of bubbles up for you? What are the things that you notice? Because God is going to speak to us through his word. And as we ask for his Holy Spirit 
to enlighten stuff, it's interesting to just note down what stands out to you. The thing that stands out to me is before you do something for God, expect the devil to not enjoy that. To expect things to, to uh, increase, to feel difficult. Expect yourself to struggle to speak in clear sentences. Expect yourself to, to get a little bit anxious, to get a little bit worked up about stuff. But it, don't worry about it. Just turn to God and worship and serve. It's really interesting. I notice that when I'm on holiday, I don't get tempted to do anything wrong. Genuinely. I wake up, I'm fine. There's no temptation to prove myself to anyone, to assert my power upon anyone, to make myself bigger than I need to be to anyone. I just get up and go for a run. I have a nice day with my family. It's great. Holidays are good. I wake up on a normal day and he's whispering to me. I'm trying to push myself forward in social situations. I'm trying to um, make sure that I'm heard. And you have to be really careful to be able to assess, is this a godly thing or is someone else whispering? Is there something else going on in my life that's not good? And as we come to open God's word, as we come to share it, I feel like sometimes those weeks are even harder. There was a point where I thought I might just stop preaching because the weeks I preach, it all goes wrong. Stuff happens in the week I preach because I'm about to tell people that Jesus loves them and there's people that don't want that to happen. The devil doesn't want that to happen. So I find the weeks I'm preaching, I'm like, you best stay away from me. Stuff's going to go wrong this week. Just be careful. But that's not what Jesus is saying. That's what the devil's whispering. Jesus is saying to me, you've got this. Share my love with people. Share my story with people. Use the gifts that I've given you to illuminate the scriptures and I will do the rest. It's the devil that's whispering the nonsense. So as we go through this life, be aware of the devil, but don't give him your time. Don't let him live, they use the phrase rent-free in your head. That's one of my favorite things. There's about 800 people who live rent-free in my head. But really, I just want Jesus. I just want Jesus to live there. And I want to speak Jesus to every opportunity. So what's some of the significances that are in the passage? Well, the 40 days thing happens a lot in the Bible. So the first thing to notice is that Luke makes sure we know that Jesus is part of this long line of 40 days people, which means there's a, a link to, low, to lower. There's a, a link to Noah. There's a link to that significance of the 40. It also symbolizes change within the scriptures. So when we see 40 days and 40 nights, we should notice that there's going to be a change. So Jesus is being changed, is being tested, is being tempted, ready for the work that he's going to do. The stone, this idea that he could make bread from it, is to say in the Old Testament, when the people of God were walking in wilderness, they asked God for food and he presented them with manna from heaven, food from heaven. The devil was trying to say, oh, can you do what your God supposedly did? Jesus didn't need to prove himself to the devil. God already proved himself to people. Then we get this idea that you can come and worship the devil so that the devil has the power and the praise that God deserves. And then the final one is this idea that you can be caught by God by jumping off the, off the temple. So as we think about the two phrases, the... The Greek for um, 
the tempted is, it, is it either tempted or tested. Okay, so that's why we've got those two ideas. Did Jesus go to the wilderness to be tempted or was he there to be tested? It's basically the same word. So the devil was offering loads of good opportunities to Jesus, loads of things that are probably quite similar to what God had planned for him, but it was the wrong context. And often in life, we go through things where we see something that looks good, we move towards something that looks good, but it's in the wrong context. Be very aware of where things that are of God appear. See what the context is. Are we stepping into something because it gives us earthly power and prestige? Or are we stepping into something with the love of God because he's invited us in? Just bear that in mind as we make decisions in our workplace, in the way that we interact with people. Are we being godly or are we asserting ourselves? I think the whispers of the devil are specific. So Jesus here is getting specific whispers. I think for me, the devil speaks specifically to the areas of my life where I'm most vulnerable. Because then it stops me from doing the things that God has invited me to do. I also think there's a seasonal thing. There's an increase. Like I said, when we're going towards God, when we're doing good stuff, that's when the devil starts to whisper to us. There's not a moment when we do waiting on the Holy Spirit where I don't have to filter through all the nonsense that comes into my head before we can start praying for people. One of the ones that often comes back is how rude I was to a teacher when I was 15. It just pops into my head. I can't believe I said that to her. As much as I pray to God, that's the first thing that comes into my head. It's bizarre, but I know it's not of God. So I offered God, I say to God, I'm sorry for that. He already knows that, but it's those things that whisper from the devil, the specifics that stop us from doing what God's called us to do. What's our response then when we find ourselves in these places, when we feel tempted, when we feel tested, when we feel anxious? Well, I hope that we can be people that turn to worship and to serve God. What does that look like? Well, we can quote scripture. We can say to God the things, the truths that are in the Bible. We can sing to the Lord. We can take ourselves to a place where we can just worship God. You don't have to sing the songs that we do. You can make up your own. Just sing to the Lord. Find his joy. In uh, Luke's gospel, it talks about fear being replaced by joy all the way through what we know is the Christmas story. But let's turn, ask Jesus to take our fear and turn it into his joy. Serve God. Join in with others. It's really hard for the devil to attack you when you are with others and you're in that community of support because you can say, guys, I'm struggling here. Will you pray for me? And know that the devil is defeated. That whether the whispers come or not, he has no power over us because Jesus is Lord. He's the king. So what do we do then? If we've got our ABC with Jesus, we're going to acknowledge, we're going to believe, and we're going to call. Well, I think our acknowledgement comes like this. I'm a mess up. I just happen to have a dog collar at the minute. But I am a mess up just as everybody is. We get things wrong. That's part of life. That's because we're not in heaven yet. We all make mistakes. And we need to admit to God and to admit to ourselves and to admit to others that we make those mistakes and that we need Jesus to take that away from us. The picture I had as I was preparing this sermon uh, was the idea of you going around with a massive shopping trolley with a load of stuff that you don't need in it. 
And every time you try and go around a corner, it's way too heavy to turn the corner. And you can't actually fit the stuff that you need in the trolley because it's overflowing with all the rubbish that you don't need. That was just a picture, almost like you've got the wonky wheel with a bit of fluff. Where's that fluff come from? And you're walking around the supermarket with a load of stuff you don't need. I just sensed that God was saying, you don't need all that rubbish. I'll take that away. You go around the supermarket and get the things that you need. That's what he was calling us to do. So we need to acknowledge before God that we get stuff wrong and that we need Jesus. Then we need to believe in Jesus. We need to step into this new life and thank him for the fact that he saves us. Thank him for the fact that he transforms our lives. It doesn't say that it's going to be easy, but it does say that he's going to be with us. So we acknowledge and we believe, and then we call. We call out to Jesus. We thank him for what he's done. We ask him to continually do that. But also we call out to others to come and meet Jesus, to give their own baggage to him, their own shopping that they don't need, the rubbish that's filled the trolley. So just for everybody here, what are we going into next week? What does our week look like? Where are we going to get tempted and tested? Where is stuff going to be difficult? Where is that really annoying person going to be with us that we've got to work out how to be godly to? Where are the situations that the whispers are going to come where we need to ask Jesus to be Lord? And when those moments come, how can you find a space to turn to Jesus, to worship and to serve him? Now, you might be in a job where you love it, where you worship God in all moments of your day, and you're serving the people with a smile on your face. Well done, you. <laughs> Come and tell us all how to do that. Life, life is tricky at times, and so we need to find moments where we can worship and serve God. Try and find moments where we can support others as well. Part of our service is to share love with people, share Jesus with people. So just as we've got automated responses to certain things, the classic ones being Marmite, classical music, coffee, 7-0, all of those classics. What's our response to Jesus? We look at Jesus, take on the devil. We will walk towards the cross as a community this Easter. What's our response to him? I hope our response is to worship and to serve. So your invitation to Jesus, to acknowledge, to believe, and to call upon his name. In a moment, uh, Claire is going to come and lead us in communion. It's our joy to have Claire back as part of our church congregation. She works at Emmanuel Theological College but is just a wonderful woman of God too. So uh, we're delighted that she's part of the congregation and she's going to lead us in communion. When we come to communion, everybody is invited. This is Jesus' table. And we start at the back and Pam and John will help us to come forward. We're going to gather around the steps. We used to do this pre-COVID. We'll gather around the steps uh, in lines at a time just to give people that extra moment with God if they would like it, as opposed to having the two cues either side. So when you come forward, if you'd like to receive bread and wine, just hold your hands out. We'll place some bread on your hands. If you need gluten-free wafers, just ask. We've got those available. Then uh, a second person will come round with the cups of wine. The non-alcoholic is dark red, and it's in the middle. If you need that for any reason, that's fine. And then the rest have alcohol in.
When you finish the drink, if you place the cup on the tray and then everybody go back down the middle, that would be good. Part of doing this now is so that we don't rush our experience of gathering around God's table together. Take those moments to pray. It might be that as you come forward, you want to reaffirm uh, your faith. You want to say to Jesus, yeah, I'm in. As I receive communion, I want my life to be one of worship and service. So let's just take a moment to pause, and then I'm going to invite Claire forward. Heavenly Father, as we look at quite a tricky passage, we praise you that you overcame the devil. Lord, that you teach us how to respond when temptation comes. And Lord, we acknowledge that we all get things wrong, that we all get tempted in different ways. And tonight, as we take a moment in a minute to confess those things, I thank you that you hear our prayers. So Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what we can learn from it. And we just pray that you minister to us in these precious moments that we share together now. Amen. Thank you, Claire.